It is 12.06 p.m. 20th of June. I don't know because I don't care, but uh, the monster is giving that, you know, atrocious, uh, the just in Tulsa right now, uh, today. Apparently, a lot of the early tickets were bought by K-pop fans. God bless. Uh, <laughs> but mm, I have work to do in a bit, but as I have before, and I think is a better format for me. I started writing the descriptions before recording because I a uh, few things didn't get published for a while because I was always worn out <laughs> after the thing. Uh, and so uh, that made more sense. And for this one, I just did an X so that it recognized uh, you know, that something, uh, was in the box, you know, one of the, requ uh, like where it says, uh, uh, you know, required fields, whatever. Um, and my, uh, Twitter handle, which is at time of posting, hit me up if you feel like doing so. And... I mark this as explicit because it's going to get fucking explicit. And I haven't caught up on a bunch of shows and stuff because, uh, although I'm breaking myself more of it, he said, uh, <laughs> I am keeping up with some amount of news only through, uh, let's see, Trevor, Seth, and Colbert for, you know, Daily Social Distancing Show, The Closer Look, and Colbert's monologue. And, you know, if they do something else like the recent uh, series uh, of openings by Amber Ruffin in the week following uh the start of uh the George Floyd whatever this has become uh you know and where we are but uh of people uh of white men with TV shows uh much kudos to Seth for giving her that space to talk about encounters with police of hers and to be, you know, bright and cheerful, but very clear, you know, that, uh, you know, she could have been shot over any dumb thing. Um, and as we're moving to defund the police, I think uh, it's a start. It's a very strong start. But talking about the redistribution of resources 
for the good of the population. Uh, that is literally inarguable now that, as we're seeing, that uh, the horrific nature of the lynching video, the what is a snuff film, uh, almost nine minutes of just choking a man to death or uh, the the thing I'm recording is back in star material, this new thing. But of course, as I have some thoughts, uh, I'm getting them out uh, first. And this is a historic new era we're in. Oh, first step, that was the thing, is with Portland having just as one metric that Portland uh, put out that they're uh, defunding their police to the tune of $15 million. And because this has already been done successfully and with a lower crime and murder rate in a few other cities, and now a few major cities are doing it, uh, this is going to be like the legalization of marijuana uh, was in whatever, 2015, 16, I mean, I mean, the vote was alongside 11-9, uh, but uh, the full legalization, uh, but... Some, some states demonstrated uh, more than anything else to the other states, the tax, uh, you know, but they gathered from uh, that industry. And at that point, you can't tip uh, the clock back. And the same thing is going to go on here because when the city council has rescinded $15 million, uh, and that has to go somewhere. And there are a lot of other places where for years and years, the government has been white knuckled, uh, pearl clutching against the idea, uh, that where are you going to find the money for Medicare for all and to house people and to take care of, uh, the things that, you know, oppress them, uh, and now there is an abundantly clear and obvious answer. It leaves the billionaires alone. So however people want to frame it, uh, this doesn't necessarily affect, you know, uh, sneaking into their vault and swooping up some of their Scrooge McDuck money. Uh, The story that suddenly has come out now that I'm back on, you know, an inspirational streak and it's an interesting new thing for me to, you know, hear back uh, 
honestly, I'm impressed by how quickly I type. I just do it, but it sounds uh, very busy uh, on recordings. Uh, and it is. I am very busy. Uh, but I'm getting, in a sense, I'm getting down a record of the process that I go by, not necessarily linear. Uh, sometimes a chunk will come to me, or for example, there was a scene I mentioned uh, on, I think the last recording, and I didn't get around to, but I did say it out loud near the beginning, so I would remember to come back to. Uh, that uh, in Star Material, the repulsive personage of Israel March is mostly, you know, uh, is mostly not... I mean, I set out partly to not just do something with a monster, but to try to get at the drives behind the... The fuck do I know? I started writing it, and I know what I'm doing, but there's no better way to articulate it than the way that it is when I'm ready to show the stuff I'm writing. Uh, but I have been just briefly, you know, just trying to create a character that isn't just, you know, uh, uh, a one note joke, like the uh, the thing of having a pedophile priest, like that's the only thing you can do where certainly that is a problem. It's definitely a problem and it's not confined just to the church. Uh, but there are a lot of other things you could do with priests, like recently with the astounding uh, film uh first first reformed uh ethan hawk and the writer directors the paul schrader wrote taxi driver amongst things uh but there's a movie with a priest that is uh that i i can't say anymore, and I urge you to watch it without watching the trailer, because while the trailer is solid, uh, it was amazing to see this movie only having heard the title, and that my folks said that we should all go see it while they were visiting. And when this thought more broadly occurred to me somewhat recently. The only other thing that sprang to mind, and I didn't, you know, I know there are influences on First Reform that are from other 
movies with priests, but not ones that I had seen. So uh, I've meant to look those up, but um, I think one of them is something like In the Country, not, you know, A Day in the Country, like, uh, you know, Son of the Artist, Renoir. Um, yeah, the filmmaker Renoir. But, um, whatever. Uh, the one that I know that immediately comes to mind uh, is uh, Angels with Dirty Faces. Remarkable, remarkable fucking movie with James Cagney and uh, who is the the priest is played by is named O'Brien, I think, just the default surname for a priest. Um, casting. Tum, tum, tum. Pat O'Brien. Oh, no. <laughs> Pat O'Brien is Father Jerry Connolly. Uh, and that's, that's a remarkable story. Uh, iconic for a bunch of reasons and the ending of it uh, is hard and sad and beautiful and some really amazing uh, the the classic gangster film always ends with the Scarface, you know, you'll never take me alive, you know, last giant action fight thing. Uh, but watch Angels with Dirty Faces. More people need to see that movie again. And the last line is, uh, It's probably been a decade or more since I saw that film, probably back in high school when I was, you know, going through all the best movies list or something or a thousand movies to see before you die. Uh, very compelling uh, title. And back when, you know, before Netflix, when it seemed like you might actually catch up with all, all of the great movies. Uh, I've seen a bunch because of that book and because of other things, but I really probably all or most of this should be cut at some point. This is how I'm warming up to the thing that I'm writing about and creating this as a way to more immediately transition from the work of my afternoon back to uh, back to this world, this thing.
the I said before and in saying, you know, as opposed to knowing this and just writing with it in mind, uh, that, and I don't want to just be comparing what I'm doing to uh, the Harry Potter series, but it's a very easy thing with like the pig Latin or dog Latin. Yeah, dog Latin. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, <laughs> the I don't know if uh, n- nil uh, illegitimens uh, carborundum. I think I probably got part of that wrong. I think the last one's a rock, but I'm not. You know, I I don't know if that's legitimate. Uh, don't let the bastards get you down. Um, all this stuff about dog Latin and waving wands the right way. And then the, you know, different color sparks come out of it, or, you know, they just do these, uh, significant magics with no apparent uh it's a very uh off the cuff kind of i'm gonna just leave that there i'm not gonna try to finish that sentence but i you know what, there are other series and things I can compare what I'm doing to, but uh, in some ways the later books uh, address some of what I intend the end of that sentence to be, uh, but I think that's a narrower uh, way of putting this. But the in the Bible, it strictly forbids a lot of things, uh, you know, wizards and necromancers and uh, uh, fortune tellers, and you're forbidden to consult with uh, or to practice these kinds of things. Uh, and the church and history and most society has got to the point where we largely disregard or, you know, mock uh, spiritual or magical uh things because of this perception that, you know, it's uh, something that only primitive people believe or something. But that is uh, not true. Uh, The way that, and I believe it also is actually in the same book as the laws of kosher, 
which are all about uh, how to keep yourself pure in the the language is very concise, but what it's saying uh, is don't poison yourself, don't, you know, eat uh, stuff that's going to make you sick. Uh, not because they thought, uh, you know, in this thing that was built to be rewritten by hand until the end of time, that uh, they wouldn't put all this. You need to remember, this is a thing that, uh, I mean, texting and the internet are such a different level of communication. Uh, but when these things were not so, and you couldn't, you know, print multiple copies after uh, you had composed your Bible, uh, that everything has to matter. And uh, they wouldn't have written down, don't eat pigs and shellfish and various other things if they had not observed in significant ways the fact that uh, people who eat unclean things get sick and maybe die. And for that exact same reason, when the book says, do not consult with sorcerers, necromancers, fortune tellers, uh, etc. It's not uh, just a primitive uh, world, you know, just like telling ghost stories or something. Uh, that might well have happened back then, I'm sure, because people have sat around campfires for... Uh, way before any of the ingredients for s'mores were even conceivable. Although they did have matzah. I don't know what, uh, just thinking what would be the equivalent to s'mores in, yeah, that's like the very, <laughs> the very, very least relevant thing. Uh, because we're talking about something very serious and very real. This stuff isn't forbidden because, uh, you know, they were superstitious and, you know, imagined uh, that there were these evil forces or people practicing uh, kinds of magic but they say it because these things are practiced by people and in the, uh, the minds of the people or the, the minds behind uh, Leviticus and the other books composing, you know, stuff about law and uh, practices and stuff. Uh, 
whether or not or to what degree there is any power in, let's say, necromancy to bring people back from the dead, uh, I have not been, nor do I really intend to participate in anything involving necromancy, I think even before, uh, you know, knowing that it was an official rule in the book. Uh, it's something uh, that, let's say, you know, that it's all uh, like Houdini would go and expose uh, fake fortune tellers and stuff, spirit mediums, and uh, let's say that there only are, let's say there isn't really magic in the world, at least in that regard, but all the people uh, who claim to be able to do necromancy or go into a trance and allow your lost loved one to, this is a great joke I should tell another time, future Adam, note, uh, about a uh, young Jew or a Jewish man being brought to uh, see a medium uh, by his wife a bit after uh, his grandfather's died. Uh, that's the premise of it. You'll hear it at some point, possibly. Uh, but... The idea of contacting or communicating with spirits is not necessarily something that cannot happen. It's uh, just the fact that our society and civilization, you know, have uh, largely regarded this stuff as, you know, nonsense or faked up or whatever. Uh, that doesn't mean these things aren't practiced. And uh, it doesn't mean that uh, going from the early uh, scholars from Hillel and Shammai in that era and the later, uh, the people who uh, created the Talmud, which if you've only ever heard that, uh, in some parts of it, it resembles a flame war. Uh, <laughs> in 24 volumes of uh, deep discussion of every little line and word and whatever of previous uh, scriptures. Uh, and up to, you know, Maimonides and Rashi and a lot of other people along the way, and I'm continuing the tradition of, uh, you know, recognizing uh, 
and in my own way, uh, drawing out into a certain light. And it is 12.35. I got to get ready, get going, and I should be back with y'all in a few hours from me subjectively or for you right after the sound effect. It is now 7.46 p.m. 20th of June 2020. Uh, I've been making calls most of the day between then and now, like five and a half hours or six of phone banking. So I'm in some kind of a mindset, you know, interesting bunch of conversations and mostly uh, answering machines to uh, hang up on. Uh, and now, I can get back to the, uh, this. <laughs> hmm. There... There are things on my mind that... I realized I meant to look this up before it's, uh, the devil is it? It's, uh, maybe I have it saved under sixth day. Yeah. All right. Perke vote five, six. Boom. So that probably means not much to most of you, uh, and with the motorcycle outside, it might be hard to, hang on a minute. Okie doke. So, uh, while that's idling outside, I am working in here. Uh, and future Adam, uh, link this, uh, the Perke vote to, uh, the description with this podcast so people can follow along and follow it if they want to look further through it. Uh, and for anybody, maybe most people who, uh, are still, not clear on what it is uh, that where did the yeah right 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 uh, and I should have looked this up before as well but just for background perke vote is uh it means chapters of the fathers, and it's a bunch of, uh, and this is Wikipedia 
just the basic, uh, is a compilation of the ethical teachings and maxims from rabbinical Jewish tradition. Uh, the thing was first, where does it say? Structure of the work? When did it? I just need to know when it was published or what. From at least the times. From at least the time of Sadia Gaon, 10th century, it has been customary to study one chapter a week on each Shabbat between Passover and Shavuot. Today, the tractate is generally stayed on each Shabbat of the summer from Passover to Rosh Hashanah, the entire cycle repeating a few times with doubling of chapters at the end if there are not a perfect multiple of six weeks. Uh, it says a bit more, but... Uh, yeah, but uh, so to get onto it... Uh, in a way that uh, it's a lot of, you know, sayings and parables and midrashim, which uh, are explanatory stories uh, elaborating on stuff from the biblical literatures. Uh, and I've said, uh, and I think, probably the best uh, way you could understand it. Uh, if you are new to the concept or have not encountered Midrashim before, uh, is that... <laughs> They're essentially fan fiction for biblical literature. As a millennia-long tradition of serious rabbis and playful rabbis and uh, all sorts in between uh, adapting or lengthening, depthening. There's a lot to elaborate on. And a decent chunk of the stuff that I have been writing because I'm very influenced by and doing stuff that interweaves uh, a lot of these works. Uh, the, this particular one uh, I told in a more elaborate, uh, a short story uh, version of it. But the, uh, so most everybody who knows, uh, even a bit of the Bible knows that God created things on, uh, one day and another, uh, that he made the, uh, the earth and the firmament and the foundations and the seas and the land. Excuse me. But then, and of course, uh, uh, making, making animals on day four or five and making 
uh, man on the sixth day. And the, uh, as it says uh, in the book, on the seventh day he rested, which is why the Sabbath, the idea that even God needs to take a break once a week. Uh, but there are some things that are hard to explain the existence of. Uh, and so at some point, I don't know who originated this, but it's a beautiful, somewhat silly and enlightening uh, little something. <laughs> because uh, it says uh, these paradoxes or a few oddities of the universe that uh, God created in the dusk of the sixth day of creation. And that is especially important because of one of these things, which I will be getting to and then getting back to the bigger story that I was telling, uh, or rather talking around with Izzy. Because uh, actually, before I start, uh, the reason that in the time between the last recording and this one, I've been thinking on, uh, you know, how I wanted to continue it and what I want to say with this podcast, uh, you know, to the extent that I can ever predict exactly the pathways that I will, you know, um, as I said in the recording last night, which if you are, uh, not me listening to this, uh, should be the, uh, the episode immediately below this one, uh, where I talked about the nature of the evil that Izzy finds himself facing. And the fact that a lot of what I've been doing is based on Kabbalistic uh, principles and systems of uh, the understandings of magic within uh, you know, uh, we're seeing it come out. However, you know, it's at the point where, although I know this is as counterintuitive as Dave Chappelle recently uh, saying that the last thing we need to hear uh, right now are from celebrities, uh, says a guy who's, I'll, I'll, you know, it's fucking Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and that was even before this latest celebrity video, the I take responsibility. No, I take responsibility. Fuck all of you guys with the 
Like, like now is not a time that we need you trying to get attention. Uh, it's it's uh, just unbelievable that anyone was like uh, that. Someone said, "This is the uh, ad. Do you want to uh, have a, uh, you know the one line in it?" Uh, I can't believe that anyone thought this was a good idea. And that's very immediate, but I have this metaphysical parable open in front of me that was written possibly around the year 600 AD. Take that in for a little folks. <laughs> I... Someone else could probably uh, trace it more closely, but I'm just looking at the Wikipedia uh, for that. But there are 10 things that were created in the dusk of the sixth day. And they are these things. And specifically the... The text here, which is in Hebrew and in English, uh, the latter of which reads, Ten things were created on the eve of the Sabbath at twilight, and these are they. One, the mouth of the earth. Two, the mouth of the well. Three, the mouth of the donkey. Four, the rainbow. Five, the manna. Six, the staff of Moses. Seven, the shamir. Eight, the letters. Nine, the writing. And ten, the tablets. And some say, also the demons, the grave of Moses, and the ram of Abraham, our father. And some say, and also tongs, made with tongs. <laughs> the last of those is, uh, it's, it's a very interesting... It's, it's at the same time, it's very profound and it's a bit silly. It's uh, like, you know, they, they want to wrap up all, you know, it's all religious literature. It's all serious and grim and thou shalt this and that and strike down with thunderbolts. But there's a lot of uh, fun to be had and it's something... I'm really happy with this podcast that I can uh, share to people more widely in some ways than, than I could have a discussion about this with most folks. Uh, I would love it if enough people <laughs> get interested in this that we can discuss it more in groups. Uh, But, uh...
Yeah, that's a different sort of minion from the uh, one that I've just recounted, uh, plus, you know, the extra three and the tongs. Maybe my favorite of the paradoxes here, uh, because obviously, uh, like the mouth of the well uh, is a variation on uh, a riddle that may be familiar to some of you, which is the question, uh, how much dirt is in a hole that is six feet deep? Uh, two feet long and five feet wide. Uh, and the answer is uh, none. It's a hole. <laughs> so uh, in this one that, uh, you know, the idea that God took a minute to come up with the mouth for the well because uh, it isn't a thing, but it uh, it is very much, uh, you know. But the, the last of them uh, is... It's, it's uh, the fact that in order to make things with metal, you need to hold them with a pair of tongs so that the metal can get hot enough for you to make it into something like another instrument, implement, whatever. Uh, but the question when you get uh, recursive enough like this is how did the first pair of tongs get made? And uh, this is <laughs> where that gets in. And, and this is a bit of uh, the way that I've adapted this and made it like a six-page story or something uh, is a little bit of God sort of running back and forth going like, damn it, I meant to, you know, this and that. Uh, you'll see. And uh, some people will be amused, some people will not. I, uh, you know, hope that uh, folks are amused. And some of this needs to be cut a little, uh, future Adam, like some of this can be cut down. I know I went uh, around like three times after mentioning the tongs. That should have been a much faster statement, but I deviated to the mouth of the well, which also should be mentioned. And lastly, uh, I am going to just talk about after a brief break so that the next bit can be uh, comfortably uh, the fourth thing on the list is the rainbow, and uh, it doesn't say it here, but the uh, the reason that that is on the list uh, 
is because fascinatingly and beautifully, really, uh, because in 600 AD, uh, nobody understood the whatever, the physics, the uh, whatever the fuck it is, you know, in the air that makes a rainbow happen. So uh, it was regarded as some kind of miracle, which is the reason that in uh, Genesis 8, I think, is where uh, after the flood and God deciding that he's had enough of the wrath uh, and is going to let everything settle back down to Tehom and such uh, into the deep. But uh, that he makes the rainbow as a covenant with uh, man or as a sign uh, that he shall never again destroy the earth with a flood. But uh, then you take that even further because rabbinical thinking and the way you can dig into this stuff begs the further question when uh, some people argue over the existence of miracles or uh, what does that mean if only God really should be able to shape or manipulate uh, the nature of the universe. Uh, the logic being something like this, uh, which is also, uh, as I mentioned earlier on this tape, and also is key to all of this, is that uh, sorcery and fortune telling and such are forbidden because uh, to some minds and uh, partly on the principle that this stuff is uh, diverting or perverting the mysteries that should only be accessible to God, something along those lines. If you want to cut it down further to the core, um, that's not being stated, I think, as well as it could be, but it's something like that. Uh, but so this is the thing, is the rainbow uh, had to be explained, uh, the creation of the rainbow, as being something that God did. Uh, it's a miracle. It's a miracle because it doesn't obey any apparent laws uh, that were known to mankind up until whenever they figured out uh, prisms and shit, whatever. Uh, future Adam, duck in here, look that shit up, and uh, enlighten us. So then the reason uh, that the rainbow is number four on this list 
of things created in the dusk of the last day, the sixth day of creation, is uh, that it is a minor um, miracle and uh, that uh, God did everything as uh, Rambam slash Maimonides put it somewhere in the Guide for the Perplexed. He puts forward uh, the uh, his take, which is that God is uh, infallible and everything that God set in motion is exactly perfect and according to plan the way that it is and nothing could be wrong because everything was made perfectly. And uh, that is part of the rainbow thesis here, saying that, that God did not actually create a new miracle, uh, but he uh, planned this ahead of time with the idea that he was going to pull it out at the right time. Uh, as I say that, would that mean that he knew he was going to flood the earth? Because on this logic, that does sound a bit premeditated. But it's certainly not up to me to question uh, this. Uh, Who am I kidding? That's what all of this is. That's what they're doing, too, is uh, like these things aren't written in the Bible, uh, but this stuff you can pull out. And uh, I have a few minutes left on the tape, so I want to mention one more Uh, And if uh, it takes me a bit to explain it, uh, the shadim, the the demons, are the... No, you know what? I'm going to cut the tape here. I don't need to run it out all the way to the end every time. I'm going to cut it here and come back and explain... uh, how uh, God accidentally made the Shadim. It is 8.12 p.m., June 20th, and life is interesting. (laughs) 8.15 p.m., still the same time, same night. 20th, June, uh, per K, vote, five, six, part two, uh, and item number 11. Uh, make sure you got all that. You know the code. Uh, apply it, and we will meet at the place. You know how it goes. But the last part of the story... Uh, the creation of the Shadim, or uh, as they might be translated, uh, demons. But, uh, but really, the origin here, which is fascinating, uh, 
and uh, I would love to know the name of the rabbi who I, I maybe it can be pinpointed further, but let's just say 600 AD. Uh, I would love to uh, know who the hell wrote this and some of the other stuff because it's uh, when you get in the groove of it, it's a lot of fun and very uh, uh, intellectual exercise when you get into the uh, what this really is. And so the premise then uh, for this part is that, and actually this is in Genesis, that there are, uh, God creates man twice. You can look at it uh, uh, if you... Uh, and as usual, if you're quarantined in a hotel or motel, bedside drawer, uh, follow along if you care to. Uh, but the very start of Genesis, uh, it says, and God created man on, uh, the sixth day. But then it also says, uh, that God pulled or uh, crafted man from the red earth. So it, uh, it mentions both the creation of men, uh, plural, and also specifically the idea that God created a man and then the story proceeds uh, from the Garden of Eden specifically, uh, and a particular couple. Uh, but that is possibly not, I mean, yeah, let's leave that be. That's, that's rather enough down there and we still have a bit further this is about to go a bit deeper. Uh, so let's not get sidetracked. Uh, <laughs> what an impossible, yeah, it's not gonna happen. But, uh, but we're nearly there, we're nearly at the core, like a, uh, everlasting gobstopper but you know for humanity uh and the other way around because that's the whole thing is the insides out where uh that according to this other elaboration uh that God was making men like the like multiple a bunch of humans uh as the sun was going down uh and he started 
by making souls or making spirits for them and uh, covering them with mud is a very tangible way you might try to grasp at a Kabbalistic uh, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how to qualify or quantify how deep all of this is relatively. Uh, and this little sentiment could be cut probably because uh, I want this to go. Uh, you know, I need to collect my thoughts and there are a lot of things connected here, but, uh, but, uh, 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 can be cut just past six minutes. Future Adam, uh, like the last 30 seconds or so, cut it. Don't need them. Um, but as he was doing this, But as God was uh, putting the, uh, the clay onto uh, these spirits, the sun was going down and uh, God decided to rest or uh, possibly forgot about them. Uh, <laughs> and just left a bunch of spirits without uh, bodies to inhabit. And uh, that is how the Shadim or demons came to be. Now, if you have followed along and are interested in this whole line and mode of thinking, uh, this is, and I only mention this, uh, the most blatantly stupid thing I'm about to say with everything else I've just said, but it's an important clarification for where we're about to dive back into which is to say that Perkeva and God in the creation and the dusk of the sixth day and all of these things are very, very Jewish and come from Jewish rabbinical tradition and everything that I'm explaining. Uh, if you look at the link that goes with this podcast, uh, you're going to find the text uh, that I eventually got around to uh, the specific list. And I encourage you, if you're interested in that, uh, to check out the rest of the chapter or more in the book because just... Uh, come on, it just decided to disappear. Uh, the headers for the other uh, segments of that chapter 
Uh, a few of them are also lists. Uh, ten generations, ten miracles, ten trials, uh, ten wonders were wrought for our ancestors in the temple. Uh, there's a lot to... Uh, there are seven things characteristic in a, and he uses the word here, Claude, but I would say an idiot, and seven in a wise man. Oh, you know what? I'll read this one too. It's not as metaphysical, but, uh, but it's always good to have, uh, you know, list of distinctions between those two. <laughs> uh... A wise man does not speak before one who is greater than he in wisdom and does not break into his fellow's speech and is not hasty to answer. He asks what is relevant and he answers to the point and he speaks of the first point first and of the last point last. And concerning that which he has not heard, he says, I have not heard. And he acknowledges the truth. And the reverse of these are characteristic in a clod. So, <laughs> all right, that's, that's perfect. Let's uh, look at that again, uh, reading it the other way. An idiot speaks before one who is greater than he in wisdom breaks into his fellow's speech. He is hasty to answer. He doesn't ask what's relevant, and he doesn't answer to the point. I will concede that. <laughs> uh, and he speaks uh, when it says the first point first and uh, other point last. Uh I guess he just, uh, you know, speaks randomly without a lot of clarity of uh, what his words or intents might be. Um, and he oh, and concerning that which he has not heard, he says, I've heard, and he does not acknowledge the truth. And there we are seven characteristics of uh, two kinds of men. And now, having uh, done all of that stuff, we're going to get back to the predicament of Israel March. And because I noticed it in a, another window as I'm closing a few related to Pirkei Avot and uh, some of those rabbis, I just noticed uh, I look through any window as uh, part of I just put on Holly's Greatest Hits a bit before this. Uh, yeah, this playlist is uh, doesn't look like it even has 10 things on it. They have way more than that. 
Uh, anywho. So. For reasons that are, here's some uh, raw creative process stuff. For reasons that are unclear to me yet, because what's important to this story was to take Izzy and put him in the situation that, because of its occurring to me, uh, is, uh, I want to make sure no damned alarms, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is going to go earlier in the day. Sorry, folks, uh, just I'm about to get into it and I don't want to have this thing happen as I am. I just want to, as much as I can, say the first thing first and the last point last, <laughs> I guess, is the thing that we ought to do. Um, yeah, you can get pushback. Also, future Adam, this can be cut. There's no... This uh, doesn't have any reason to be anywhere between whenever that stopped and about the 15 minute mark. I'm not sure why Izzy is there, although obviously as soon as he gets there, uh, being educated as he is, <laughs> he immediately recognizes that he should not be here and that he is in a place with a lot of people that I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't want to play. No, you know what? I'm not going to record that. That may or may not. We'll get to it. Uh, but another part of the anchoring back and forth that is coming to me is the fact that all of this starts over lunch in what will be the present year of the timeline, whatever, of star material. But then this is happening at a significant past point in Izzy's life. And somewhere in here, after getting settled, uh, he encounters one new person and then a group 
there is some conversation over and concerning drinks. Uh, and then uh, they will also be having lunch at which a similar issue is going to pop up. It's these funny little echoes. I don't know. It's something that's emerging of my style or things that amuse me to write are these little cross connections. So however that one develops, uh, that's the intention. But <sighs> it's a very strange position in the up until whatever this was yesterday or two nights ago, uh, I haven't had anything. Where is he? I mean, apart from like childhood, you know, stuff, I haven't had anything where he's not in a dominant position or, you know, in his own studio, really. Uh, Lord of all he surveys. But uh, this is now the first thing that I'm writing where he is in the, I don't want to say this word unless it's the word. It isn't. Uh, you might say in a presence, you might say in a, proximity to a very different society and a much larger lord than he himself is at the time of this occurring and very probably ever. I feel like I might be coming up to a wall even where I have painted him into a pickle and no mistake. And he's gonna have to pickle wreck himself the fuck out of this place. I don't have it immediately, I see you know, obviously the uh, the climax and the the real core of the scene is the whole reason for doing this. Uh, and I wrote that out last night. I think uh, something that makes even his stomach turn. Turn and run.
but just feeling uh, the sense of it and having written fiction, telling stories, whatever, you know, you might call it. I don't like uh, the word author uh, because, as Harlan Ellison put it, that uh, an author is someone who gets his name on books. A writer is someone who is uh, uh, driven by demons and has to, is compelled to write. I'm not getting it word perfect, but it's in one of the introductions in Dangerous Visions. And I'm just getting a call. 8.37 p.m. Yo. The uh, 8.37 p.m. 20th of June. Peace out. And peace back in. It is 11.48 a.m of the 23rd of June, a Tuesday and a an historic day because today, excuse me, is the the races in Kentucky and let's see, um, Elections today, under all the states. I've been following the Booker one, uh, and of course, uh, yeah, Kentucky, New York. I thought maybe it would be a, there's something I missed, but uh, but Bowman and Booker, uh, excitement, uh, and. I am returning to this one because, as I was just interrupted momentarily slash three days ago, uh, I have had a bit more time to consider uh, getting Izzy out of this corner. Uh, And I have uh, actually found uh, really peculiar solution, which uh, has actually occurred once before, but very significantly in star material, which is that uh, I was coming up with a character that was going to be another foil to Izzy, and I might still, I'm still going to use that character just as not as complex, whatever it is. I I did a bunch of character work on that character, but it doesn't it doesn't really serve the story uh, to go deeply into uh, that guy. But because of the character, that actually became the start of Swamp Life being a specifically different thing because it was more of a political or legalistic scene. Uh, And it didn't really belong in this story, but it was very much uh, something else that is important to me to talk about. The, you know, swampiness, scumminess, and 
modern politics that hopefully Kanahara and a lot of hard work, phone banking, etc. Uh, we are making some serious changes in. Uh, remains to be seen, but you know, uh, wild stuff. And so the solution actually is that uh, I don't think Izzy actually belongs in this story. I think that it might make sense in the same way as with this previous character. I think it would still make sense to have some flashback to him in the same place or to some allusion to it, maybe. We'll see. But uh, I'm thinking as well, uh, not that thematically related, but, you know, by blood somewhat between here and the biblical stories I'm doing, that there is something there where um, I had an ambitious concept, but I think that it overstretches that story and needs to be just cut and left for elsewhere. Because uh, there's already enough... Uh, of that. Um, just a brief note on the that in that case, because that's uh, actually an interesting element of what else I'm doing when I say biblical fiction uh, and the fact that what I'm doing <clears throat> is uh, Midrash or really Midrashim because there are a bunch now. Uh, but the same way as the story that I've just broken down in this recording, uh, I am going beyond and between the text, mostly in the book of Samuel, uh, Samuel Saga. But that there are these other peripheral uh, nations that, uh, that are only relevant, uh, when they're being warlike to, uh, Israel, the, uh, the Moabites, Ammonites, Amalekites, etc. Uh, well, I mean, except for the book of Ruth, but that's, uh, another whole <laughs> discussion, but I wanted to do something on the premise that, uh, you know, a sidebar that would be in a hypothetical uh, sort of summer festival in Moab, but where other nations are all welcome. And just like, because there's no record of it, but it's possible that there could also have been peaceful stuff between different nations that weren't recorded because they don't fit the meta narrative of uh, the 
the overall story. Uh, of the the intentions which underlie some of the recurring thematic material that relates to other nations. In a much more grounded and modern way, and as I said, somewhat related by blood, but not really. Uh, this certainly isn't obviously a friendly festival, <laughs> uh, but of sorts. Uh, but the solution I found uh, is actually to remove Izzy uh, from the scene. I think that what I have, uh, which somewhat uh, echoes a few other, uh, a few movies, a few stories that if I name drop them, then uh, yeah, anyone who knows them can see a bit more of the story than I want anyone to at this point. Uh, but let's go from Izzy to, let's say, Sam. Uh, not sure if he's a Jewish character either, because that was part of the play of this story, is to put him in a little situation of like, uh, you know, that sounds like a Jew kind of talk or something, you know, to to put him out of his element. I think that has been a very useful uh, thought exercise as such, but I don't think that, uh, for a few reasons, I don't think it quite works here. But it's a story that is incredibly worth telling and that I feel compelled to be writing. Uh, and so I'm going to give some consideration to uh, Sam is just because I was talking about that saga, the first name to come to mind. But uh, I need to consider who this other character would be and reframing the scene, not with a character that I know uh, and I'm sorry to say, but uh, the most accurate word would be intimately, because I am very, very familiar with and have given for three years, have been working on the character and everything else around Israel March. And having this flashback format has allowed me to uh, write some stuff for uh, the lunch scene that I thought all of this, the past couple recordings would be more about. Um, but 
Yeah, I got thoughts to collect. And I need foods, as usual. Uh, I have things on my mind, and uh, food is something that can be gathered elsewhere or scrounged up, but these thoughts and the train of thought is much harder to maintain than even as simple cooking as I do. Uh, I recently have been trying some stuff with asparagus that uh, is not too impressive, but has been satisfying to me. Um, simple roasted asparagus with, uh, you know, salt and Parmesan and, uh, something else. I think, uh, garlic, diced garlic, something I have done a few times, but, uh, generally, and you know what? Instagram warning. Anytime that you just start talking about food, it's, uh, and there isn't more of a point to it. I might as well be taking a picture and putting 4,000 uh, hashtags with it. <clears throat> it is a minute past noon. I have a little else to do before I have a Zoom meeting in a while that I'm excited for. And I'm very, very interested for how these votes are going <clears throat> and what we will know, whatever we will know by the end of the day. Hashtag ditch Mitch. And <clears throat> Booker surging. June 23, Tuesday. Year 2020. You can find me on Twitter at time of posting. And until then, and in any case, I hope that this finds all of you well and safe. Zygazunt.